Jesus used when he was praying to his father in the garden, called him Abba Father. And really, that term uh, for us English speaking folks, I guess, would be pretty comparable to the term daddy. It's like an, uh, an affectionate term uh, to a father. And thank God we have that ability to do that, that he is our father and he's close to us. And, uh, and we can call him Abba Father, or spiritually, uh, he's like, like our daddy. And I thought, I, I love that song. I thought it would be a good one. For Father's Day, and uh, this morning we're going to be going off our uh, series we've been doing. We've been going through the book of First John and talking about how you can know the have eternal life. But with this being Father's Day, I wanted to preach a message uh, that uh, goes along with that and really a message uh, to fathers. And there's a lot of things in this message that while this may seem directed at fathers, uh, there's a lot of applications for mothers in here too or really just for anybody. And uh, if you are not a father... Uh, you may be someday, and so this is this will be good for you. But Proverbs chapter seventeen, verse six. If you want to turn over there in your Bibles, Proverbs seventeen, verse six. Titled the message today: "The Glory of Children." The glory of children. Proverbs seventeen, verse six says, "Children's children 
are the crown of old men, or in other words, grandkids. One thing you'll always hear grandfathers doing is bragging on their grandkids, talking about their grandkids. It's just kind of a it's a crown for old men to become a grandfather. It's a it's, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. And uh, my dad always said that grandkids are God's gift to parents for not killing their own kids. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm starting to understand a little bit of that. You know, I've had I've had those experiences there. But uh, grandkids haven't experienced that yet. It says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. The glory of children are their fathers. When it talks about fathers there, uh, I believe it is talking about their father, their dad. But not only, I believe it goes, it's a little further than that. Notice it says their fathers. You know, we don't have more than one uh, biological dad. I know uh, sometimes people maybe have step parents and things like that. But it's also, I believe, when it talks about the fathers in the Bible, it's talking about uh, the father, the grandfather, the great grandfather, talking about their fathers. We talk about our forefathers in this country. And uh, we, we talk, it's talking about that heritage they have and the glory of children is the fathers. And I want to talk today about how we can be a glory to our children. But let's go ahead and go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we get into the message. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that You'll be with this message today. Lord, and I pray that You'll uh, help all of us. Lord, especially the fathers today. Lord, that we, uh, we will learn what we need to do to be a glory to our children, God, and to be the right kind of fathers. Lord, we thank You so much that You're a father to us. And Lord, there may be uh, some here that their earthly father they might not have. Lord, they might... I'll be gone in heaven or maybe just not around. But Lord, thank God that we have You as a Heavenly Father, Lord, and that You're always there for us. Lord, I pray if there's one here that's not saved, I pray they'll get that taken care of. Lord, they can receive that spirit of adoption from You, God, and You can be their Heavenly Father. Just pray a blessing, Lord, in Your name. Amen. So how can we be a glory to our children? I tell you, I take being a father serious. I mean, Lord has blessed me with five children. And in this day and age, I mean, five kids, boy, that just seems like a lot. I mean, we get, we get looks when we're out in public sometimes. People see five kids. You know, it's like five kids. Yeah, five kids. You know, the Torres family back there, they've got, they've got more than that. They're, they're really blessed. And, uh, you know, there was a time, uh, you know, when it was looked at as a blessing to have a lot of kids. And I personally believe it still is. A blessing it is a great thing. I love I love big families, and I never considered myself being in a big family. There was five kids in our family, but today I guess I guess that is. But I take that serious. I want to be I want to be a good father. I think any father wants to be a good father. I'll never forget when I first when Tommy was born, and we went and took him out of the hospital. And we're carrying him. I remember. I'll never forget. I'm carrying him in his little, his little car seat, this tiny little seven-pound baby. And I remember we stopped for a second. I remember setting him down, and I remember just this overwhelming feeling of responsibility coming over me, thinking this kid is completely dependent on us as parents. I mean, uh, not just for his survival, but for how he's going to be trained and how he's going to be raised and how he's going to turn out. And I'm thinking it was just it was kind of overwhelming. And I remember thinking, Lord, you've got to help me. I've got to do this right. I I want to be the right kind of father, and I, I want to uh, I want to be a glory to my children. So, what are some things that we can do? And we're going to look at some of the things that the Bible says that we can that we can do. And first of all, that is make sure 
that you have a good name. Make sure that you have a good name. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver or gold. That having a good name, that's I believe that's talking to an individual there. That I think I believe that here in Proverbs God's saying, listen, you're better off having a good name than being rich. You're better off being known as an honest person and being poor than you are being rich, but everybody knowing that you're a crook. A good name. You can't you can't buy a good name. A good name. I mean, uh, a good name is important, in that, and when it comes to business, if you if you're known as being a crook and a cheater, people are going to want to go to your business. They know that name. That's a that's a bad place to go. But it, uh, if but a good name, I mean, you can't buy it. It's so valuable as a pastor. I mean, my name really is all I've got. I've got to be careful. You know, I don't I don't want my you know name showing up in the police reports because you know I assaulted. My neighbor, or I beat up my wife, or I mean, I because you do that, you ruin your name. And a good name, the Bible says, is rather be chosen than great riches. But you know, the thing is, a lot of times our name can be whether it's good or not can be determined by our fathers or our forefathers. Can you imagine if if your last name was Hitler? How'd you like that last name Hitler? I mean, listen, you could have that as last name. And let me tell you, you could be the greatest Christian in the world and the nicest person in the world. But boy, people are going to look at you funny. It's like, my name's Hitler. Especially if your name was Adolf. I mean, how many Adolfs do you know these days? You know, that man ruined that name. He absolutely destroyed that name. Nobody's naming their kids that. Uh, not too long ago, you may remember, we had a preacher here named John Booth. And I've always joked that asked I remember asking what his middle name was. I was like, Your middle name's not Wilkes, is it? <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, I guarantee it, John Booth, I guarantee you, if he ever wanted to like go to something where the president was gonna be, they're probably gonna pay closer attention to him than other people. John Booth? Can you imagine if another John Booth assassinated a president? It's that that name, it's you know, and and he's he's got a good name. You know, he's his dad's a pastor. I, I believe his grandfather was a pastor, and people. But at the same time, with the John Booth, it's you know, people kind of get ideas sometimes because that name it's been hurt. And we and we ought to have a good name. You ought to have a good name in your business. You know, if McMurtry, if I had businesses here in town, people ought to know that hey, that's a, that's a good place to go. It has his name on it. Uh, hopefully, if I've been the right kind of person, my children, they if they you know they have that same name and they start one someday. People are like oh, McMurtry, that's okay. But let me tell you, if I've been a crook all my life, if I've been ripping people off all my life and just been doing terrible in town, my kids are going to have a tougher time in this community getting a business going. Because I've ruined the name of McMurtry. And that good name is rather be chosen than great riches. Uh, you, you should have a good name with the law. I think, I think you ought to have a good name with the law. We ought to be obeying the law. Uh, we don't need to have a criminal record a mile long. Said it. I mean, you know, I know, I mean, you might get your speeding tickets and everything now and then. You know, I'm, not, I'm not picking on you for that. But you know what? Your name shouldn't be constantly popping up in the police reports for you know drug dealing or you know assault and battery or shoplifting. You know you see that everybody in town sees that and they see that name and it affects other people in your family. 
Even they might be the most law-abiding citizens there is, but people they know that name. McMurtry, I know I know another pastor. Uh, his name is John Dillinger, and it, it, John Dillinger. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it's funny whenever people, whenever he says his name, you know, you, you think you think of an outlaw when you think of that name. And there's things that are associated with different names. And I wonder, oh, you know, I, I want to make sure that my name is not associated with something bad. Can you imagine uh, if if I had the name and I'm trying to pass the church my name, you know, my Pastor Manson. Okay? Not you know doesn't mean I'm a bad guy, but that name it's it's been hurt by somebody who's done some horrible things. But we ought to have a good name in your business. You ought to have a good name at the wall. You ought to have a good name amongst Christians. We ought to have a good testimony. Not just amongst Christians, but even amongst lost people. Or they know that hey that that's a good man, that's a good family. He uh, he he's an honest man. We ought to have that kind of testimony. And it's sad how many people uh, have a difficult time because of just their name. A lot of times, even uh, with different financial things, the children uh, whose fathers maybe have done a lot, made a lot of mistakes, and gotten themselves in trouble. People uh, they. They see that name and it comes up on reports. I think it was like with uh, when I lived in LaSalle, it was difficult. Me and my dad, we had the same bank for a long time, and it was a pain in the neck because it, it never happened. Uh, one of the things that would happen all the time, I would go to deposit a check, and they would put it in his account. They get it mixed up, and we have the same name. And they never one time put one of his checks in my account. But they were always putting my checks in his account. We'd have to go and fix it. And finally, I remember, I was like, you know what? I'm getting tired of dealing with this. And I switched banks. And that it was really confusing. And I remember later, my dad was talking about switching banks again. I told him, I said, do not go to First Federal. So that is my bank. It's like, you can't have that. And it wasn't because of anything bad, but it was just it was confusing because we had the same name. They got it mixed up. But you know what? People will do that when they just hear that name. If it's a bad name, it can sometimes affect even your children or maybe even a brother or something in a bad way because you've given that name a bad taste. And we don't want for people in the community. We don't want to do that. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. You know, I, I, I hope I, it's not looking real good right now. But I hope someday when I die, I can leave a good inheritance to my kids. As far as financially, I wouldn't mind leaving them some money. But at the same time, I might not be able to do that. But I would rather, I, one thing I can make sure I do is leave them a good name. A good name. It's rather be chosen than great riches. I would rather my father leave behind a good name when he dies. I'd rather my father die a man of God with a good testimony and known as an honest man, then him leave me a bunch of money, but everybody say, you know, yeah, that guy was a crook. That guy was dishonest. He was a phony. I would rather have that good name. And we can, and I not be able to do the big things financially. We might not be able to pass on the riches, but you can pass on a good name. And secondly, another thing you can do is make sure that you leave them a good example. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26 says, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. You know, many parents today, they, they can't say that. They have to say things, you know, don't, you know, don't do what you see me do, just do what I tell you to do. <laughs> they can't follow their parents' example. Their parents, they 
try to get them to stop doing something, but they're doing it themselves. You know, good luck. You know, I, I've always said this, that one of the hardest things in the world is to not be like your father. It's hard. Now, it can be done, but it's hard. And you know what? At the same time, that can be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. If you if you know your father was a good husband and a good father and a good Christian, it'll be a little easier for you. You know why? Because you had an example. You got to see how it was done. You know why so many guys, whenever they're having uh, problems in their marriages and problems in their families, instead of dealing with it the right way, they just haul off and hit their wife? That's what their dad did. That's what they saw growing up. They saw him. They you know, they saw him cussing the kids out when he got mad. That's what they saw. That's all that they know. They've never got to see that good example. And then people wonder why they continue doing those same things. They you know they're always wondering why that continues to happen and why these things get passed on. You know, you would think that a, a son who saw his father die of a drug overdose wouldn't want to do drugs, but many times they do. I told the story the other day in church about the uh, one of those churches, snake handling churches in West Virginia. It was on the news. The preacher got bit, and he didn't have enough faith, <laughs> and he died. And then, and the funny thing—I guess it shouldn't be funny, but it was—it was kind of funny. I'm going to admit it. The same thing had happened to his dad. His dad was a snake handling preacher, got bit, and died. You would think. You would think he'd have said, you know what? But it's hard not to be like your father. And that could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing. Listen, you don't have to be your father. You don't have to be, if it doesn't have to be that way. You can be the one to start a good name. You can. Just because, listen, just, you might, your father might have left you a bad name, but you don't have to leave. You can start a generation of godliness and you can start a good name and pass it on to your children. But at the same time, it is difficult. And you help your children like you cannot imagine when you set a good example. You ought to be able to say, hey, watch what I do. Watch what I do. And it will work. Have you ever said that when you're trying to maybe teach them, hey, watch what I do. You try to set an example. Like me, I'm not the smartest guy in the world when it comes to following instructions and things. I like to watch somebody do something first. I like to see it done. Let me watch what you do and then I'll do that. Don't just tell me what to do. Show me what to do. And we've got to do that with our children. That applies to mothers too. I mean, moms... I mean... uh, You hear that? As is the mother... Or as as the mother, so is the daughter. My dad always told me, before you marry a girl, you take a good, long look at her mom. Because there's a good chance that's who she's going to be. That's who she's going to look like. That's who she's going to act like. Listen, they don't have to. Yes, there's exceptions. But more than likely, that's what's going to happen. He said, take a good look. And you know, sometimes, man, you'd see one girl and then you look at her mom and it's like, yeah, forget her. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. And I tell you, I think a lot of moms have probably ruined some good matches for their girls because the guy who followed that advice. And uh, it, but it is, it's hard. I, I talked to a guy one time, and his wife was just like her mother. And and the thing, crazy thing about it was she knew it, and she hated it. She she admitted, I'm just like my mom. And I don't want to be. But she continued doing it. 
It's, it's hard. It's hard. But think about that. If you are doing the right thing, if you've been honest, if you're a hardworking person, it's going to be, I mean, so much more likely that your children are going to be that way. It's going to be hard for them not to be the right kind of people. Because they've seen a good example. They've seen what it's like. And we, you need to show them how to be a good husband. Guys, you gotta show them how to be faithful. You gotta show them how to be, how to be caring. You gotta show that kind of thing to your children. You gotta show them how to love their mom and how to take care of them. You gotta show them because someday they're gonna get a wife and they need a good example. You need to show them what it's like when there's tough times. Because everybody's gonna go through hard times. There's gonna be, uh, some, some tough times that are gonna come along in marriages and you gotta show them how to handle it. Because when and then when those times come, they're going to be able to look back and think, you know, I remember my dad. He was in this situation. I remember what he did. I do the same thing all the time in my own life. Even uh, even pastoring a church, I thank God that I had a good example in, in my father. And often I think about that. I'll remember. Okay, well, yeah, I remember. My, I remember my dad did this, and sometimes I remember the things that he did that works. And I do them. Sometimes I'll remember the things that he did that didn't work. I remember the mistakes. And I don't I don't do those things. But you got it, but at the same time, you've got to make sure you leave that good example. Show them how to be a good husband. Show them how to be a good father. One of the things you know, Mother's Day, one of the most biggest holidays of the year. I mean Flower companies, I mean, they just, they, they love Mother's Day. The card companies, they love Mother's Day. You know why? Because everybody remembers their mom on Mother's Day. I mean, that, that's important. Uh, I don't know if it's still like this. I remember they, but years ago they would said that that was one of the busiest times with the telephone lines. I mean, that people were on the phone more that day. Everybody calling their moms. You know, now I don't know if it's that way now that everybody's got these Things attached to their hands that are grown there called cell phones, where they're always talking. It might might be different today. I think every day is like Mother's Day now. But at the same time, it, I mean, it's it was important. But then Father's Day, oh, it wasn't really like that. You know why? And usually, you, you talk to guy, ah, you know, my dad, blah blah blah. And usually, the main reason that there's a problem with that is ah, my dad was never around. My dad wasn't there. And then the sad thing is they continue doing the same thing. You have no idea how important it is for a father to just to just be there. I heard him talking on the radio the other day and a guy made a statement on there and he said, I'm a big, I'm a big Three Stooges fan. I've, always, I've been watching Three Stooges since I was a little kid. And I remember that this guy said, no women like the Three Stooges. Only guys like the Three Stooges. And all these women start calling, and they're like, "Wait a minute! I like the Three Stooges." You know, you're wrong. And they all start talking about how you know I used yeah I used you know, I used to watch with my dad all the time when I was a kid, and 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 everybody they would call they would talk about that. And the guy on there he 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 kind he figured it out. He said, "It's not that you like the Three Stooges. It's just it brings back good memories of being with your dad." And your dad laughing in it, and it gives it reminds you of that, and it's a it's a good feeling, and that's why he's like that's why women like the Three Stooges. They only like if it's something they watch with their dad. My wife, uh, her dad never watched the Three Stooges. My wife hates the Three Stooges. I don't know what's wrong with her. You know, my kids, uh, they all they all love it every Sunday night. We watch we watch Three Stooges, and uh, it's a, it's a tradition. We've been doing it for a few years. We love it. 
And you know, my girls, chances are, you know, they're they're very girly. But I thought I thought about that. I was like, man, you know, I'm doing a good thing as a dad watching three stooges with my with my girls because it, it. But it is. It's there's just something about doing something with your dad. You know, dads, you ought to, you ought to take your boys fishing and hunt, or your girls fishing. Take them hunting. Play sports with them. Do those things with them. Those are great times. They're great memories. You got to show them how to do it. They wonder why so many kids are running the streets today and just they're always getting in trouble. They don't have anything to do. Dads, you got to help keep them busy. I mean, mom, she's wore thin like crazy as it is with all the work that she's got to do. I mean, dad, you got to step in. And you know that's that's a great thing about you know dads. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we get to do is the fun stuff. You know, if my sometimes my wife's. Just you know, this kids are stressed her out. I've been gone all day, and she's been busy. You know, with the homeschooling and everything. You know, and then me, I can help my wife out by just taking the kids and going to the park, playing ball, doing things like that. Fun stuff for them. I enjoy it. But you've got to do those things. Show them how to do it. Show them how to be a good father. Show them how to be there. Be there at their ball games. You know, be there at their concerts. Whatever. Be involved in their life. Take interest in the things that they're doing. I mean, encourage them in it. Show them how to do it. So many people today, they've never had that example. And that's why the Father is just becoming almost non-existent in a lot of our culture today. And we need to change that. And you may, like I said, even if you didn't have a good example, it does not mean that you can't start one. You definitely, you definitely can. You can start one. You need to show them how to be a good provider. Bible said Bible said that if a man does not provide for his own, especially they have his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You ought to take care of him. You ought to take you ought, you ought to take care of your kids. Even if maybe you're separated from your wife and maybe they live uh, they live with their mother, you listen, you still ought to do what you can to help take care of them. You ought to do what you can to help provide for them. If they need something, step up. Help them out. You can still be there for them. Do those things. You've got to show them how to do it. They need to see it from you. But listen, they're not going to get it from their school teachers. I know teachers, they try to, there's a lot of things they try to teach them, but there's just something about seeing it, living with it. Every day they're with it. In their own home, they can see that. It's, it's huge. And you need, to, you need to do that. And like I said, if you don't have that, start it. Start it. You you can do it. Too many moms have to do these things, and thank God. I mean, there are some good moms out there. A lot of good moms that they've got to play both roles, and they do it, and they raise some great children. But you know what? You talk to any of those moms, they'll tell you it's hard. And thank God for them. But boy, we need some fathers that'll step up and be that good example. Another thing you need to leave. So you need to make sure you leave them a good name. Leave them a good example. Leave them a good inheritance. Now, when I'm talking about an inheritance here, I'm not talking about money. Okay, I'm not talking about. As far as I know, uh, I, I'm not going to get rich anytime soon off any inheritances. Okay, my fathers, my you know grandfathers, things like that. You know, they, my grandparents on my dad's side, they're already gone. Uh, they didn't have a lot of money, and I, I'm, I probably don't have any of those things to look forward to. But I'm not talking about that kind of money. There's really two inheritances. That I'm talking about. One is an inheritance of blessings. Genesis chapter 26. I don't have a whole lot of time to deal with all this, but boy, this is this is huge here. People don't realize 
what they do, for their, what they can do for their children, or what they do to their children and grandchildren. Genesis chapter twenty-six, verse one says, "And there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine, which was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt; dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee." For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. God right here has just told Isaac a bunch of really good news. I mean, he said, Isaac. I'm giving you all this land. Isaac, I'm going to multiply your seed in a great way. Isaac, I'm going to bless not just you, but I'm going to bless your descendants. Why? Because, in verse 5, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God said, I'm going to bless you because of Abraham. I'm going to bless you because of your father. Throughout the Bible, we see God doing that where God would bless the descendants of His people because of something they did. God blessed the descendants if they would continue in their ways. If they would get, if they would leave the ways of their fathers, then they wouldn't get the blessings. They'd be in trouble. But if they would follow in the ways of their fathers, God would bless them because of their fathers. So I don't think, I don't think God does that. Well, Exodus chapter 20, we see that He does. And also, you can leave, that you can leave an inheritance of curses. A lot of times we think of curses, you know, we think of witchcrafty stuff. But no, a curse isn't necessarily that. Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, this is in the, one of the Ten Commandments. It says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. We see here that God does, that their, uh, the, your, the fathers can pass on curses to their children. The fathers can pass on blessings to their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. It gets passed on. Numbers 14.8 says the same thing. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy forgiving iniquity and transgression and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. You read the Bible. You see it throughout the Bible where maybe there was a king or somebody and God says, I'm going to bless you because of your father. I'm going to bless you because of Abraham. I'm going to bless you because of your father David. I'm going to bless you. There was one king. I can't think his name escapes me right now. But God was going to curse them because of their fathers. But this man, he turned to God and God held off God held off the cursing. God said, I'm not going to do it in your generation. You can stop it. You can pass on a better one than the next generation that got away from God. They went back and they got in trouble again. There was others who God was easier on them because of their fathers. When uh, the Rehoboam, he was a bad king. And God was going to take the kingdom away from him. But God let him keep a part of it. And He said because of his father David, which was actually his grandfather, God didn't take the king. God always kept the king of... 
part of the kingdom of Israel with the tribe of Judah and the line of David because of what David had done. And I believe one of the reasons that God's blessed me the way He has is not because of me, but because of my Father. God's blessed me. I thank God that I've inherited already, even though my father's still alive, and even though I have a grandfather that's still alive, I've already inherited some of the blessings from them. And you know what? I want to pass that on too. That's why I'm not I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna veer from the what I've been taught. It's been the things that my father taught me, they line up with the word of God. The things that my father has taught me, they've worked and God God has blessed him and God has blessed me. And if but if I was to veer off from that, if I was to go after some of these other things, I'm gonna lose that. And my children, there's a good chance they might end up getting the curse instead of the blessing, depending on what they choose. And I want to make sure that I pass on that good example. I want to pass on an inheritance of blessings, not an inheritance of curses. You know, the curses that we pass on, they come many ways. A curse can come by what we say. Colossians chapter 3.21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So we think of curses like a witchcrafty thing all the time, but many times fathers curse their children by what they say to them. Why you no you're no good. You're never gonna amount to anything. A lot of fathers have said that to their children. They live with that their whole life. You're always gonna be a failure. That's a curse. Kids don't need to hear that from their dad. My dad, thank God, he always told me, he hey, I believe God's gonna use you. I believe God's gonna do something great in your life. And I got that positive reinforcement from my father all the time. I mean, he he gave that to me. He was always he was always building me up, and that's what you got to do as a father. You got to build them up. If they're playing in sports or if they're involved in music or something, I mean, you dads, you ought to act like they're the best in the world at it. You ought to act like they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna do great, and if they're getting that from you, it's gonna encourage them. If they're at home and they're practicing, you know, their trumpet or something, and you're like, you guys sound like a bunch of dying elephants. Why don't you just give up? Well, you know what? They're probably gonna give up. They're getting that kind of cursing from their father. But if they're here, hey, you know what, guys, why don't you, you need to keep at it? You know, and then maybe give them an example from when you kept at it. And they think, man, my dad did this. Man, I could do it too. And my dad thinks it's great. I love, I love watching kids sometimes and they're playing instruments. Boy, they'll get up there and it'll just sound terrible. I mean, it's, it's awful. They'll be singing and it's just, it's just the most horrible thing you'll ever hear. But you look at their parents, I mean, and the parents are just sitting there. And man, their buttons are about to pop off their shirt because they're just—I mean—they're bursting with pride. And especially the grandparents, man. I mean, those grandparents, man. That's done. They're standing ovation. It's the greatest thing they ever heard. And you see that kid, and they look at their parents. They look at their grandparents, and you just see that—that that, the look that gets in their face. You know what it does? It motivates them to keep on going. It motivates them to keep on doing. You know what? Then many times they end up becoming actually good at what they're doing. And that you know what you're doing? You did. You're blessing them. You're leaving them a blessing by what you say. But a lot of times, another way we can curse them is by how we do things. So the way you do handle things are probably the way your kids are going to handle things. I heard a story one time about a young married couple. His wife went to make a ham, went to make a Christmas ham. And she went and she cut the edges off the ham and cooked it. And husband's like, Why'd you cut the edges off the ham? She's like, that's the way my, or why'd you cut the ends off? She's like, that's the way my mom always did it. So he's like, well, we gotta find out why. So she went back and she asked her mom, she's like, mom, 
why did I cut the ends off on the hand? Or why why'd you do that? She's like, I don't know, that's the way my mom always did it. And so they went, she went and called her grandma. She's like, Grandma, how come when you've always made your Christmas ham, why do you always cut the ends off on it? And she's like, because when I did it, we didn't have a, pot or a pan that was big enough to put the ham in. We had to cut the ends off to make it fit. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, and we did. Sometimes we pass and we don't even know why we do them. I mean, we got things in my family you see that we do or don't do, and you probably think, why? That's just that's the way it was in my family. So something McMurtry's don't do, <laughs> just the way it is. Doesn't mean we think it. Doesn't mean we think it's the worst thing in the world. It's just it's a McMurtry thing. There's some things I've been trying to train. My, me and my wife are completely opposite when it comes to tasting food. Completely opposite. I've tried to train my kids to hate cheese, and it's it's been working on some of them. It's it's it's, it's worked it's worked on it's worked on some of them. But the other day, Jason, though, I, I thought I had him. The other day, we went to Wendy's, and he said he wanted a cheeseburger. I'm like, Jason, why do you want a cheeseburger? You eat hamburgers. He's like, I like Wendy's cheeseburgers. I'm thinking, where did I go wrong? <laughs> you, know, where, you know, where did I go wrong? Hey, you know, you're a McMurtry man. We don't eat cheese. I try to pass that on, but that, that hasn't been working. But a lot of times, those kind of things, they do get passed on. The little quirks and things. Uh, you know, sometimes good things. Sometimes bad things. And uh, we, need, we need to make sure that we're leaving as many good things as possible because it, it, it's amazing the things that get passed on. The things that get carried on, a lot of times, just even mannerisms, just uh, different slang phrases. I mean, my little kids, some of the things that you'll hear you hear come out of their mouth sometime. I mean, don't be surprised if you ever see my kid, one of my kids, even maybe little Allie, if she like goes and drops something and gets them hurt, here say dog. You know, that's that's kind of my cuss word <laughs> that I use. And it's just it's just what I do. And you hear the kids copy those things sometimes, and. So, sometimes you got you look at you. I remember Tommy when he was little, and we started noticing him copying things, and it's like, okay, I got to start really being careful because I've seen a lot of things with him that make me like, okay, I gotta, I gotta review what I'm doing here, make sure I don't, I don't want to pass that on. But fourth thing we need to make sure we pass on is make sure your children know that when you die, that they're going to see you again. I think about Lot. Lot was a bad example of a father. Lot in Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, God has sent two of His angels to get Lot and his family out of the city. They're going to destroy the city. And Lot goes and he went to try to get his daughters who were married to leave the city with him. It makes sense. The city's going down. It's going to be destroyed. I don't want my daughters here for that. But it says that he went and spake unto his son-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Get up. Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. All of a sudden, Lot comes. It's like, hey, the Lord's going to destroy the city. The Lord's going to destroy it because of this wickedness. This is a wicked city. We got here, and they're thinking, Lot, you're making fun, Dad. You're joking, Dad. You're not serious. You know why? Because Lot didn't have a good testimony. He didn't have a good example. We in, in the book of Genesis, there's you cannot tell that Lot is saved, but we really you wouldn't know for sure except in the New Testament. The Bible calls him just Lot. That he got vexed with the filthy conversation from seeing and hearing their unlawful deeds. He didn't do the things, but he was just there. He, he never spoke out against it. And he his kids, when he's coming, he's saying the Lord said. They're thinking, Dad, you're just being funny. 
And they wouldn't leave. They didn't believe Him. They didn't trust Him. And you know, one thing that we need to make sure that we pass on to our children, I think it's important that they, I want my kids to know that if I die, or when I die, that they're going to see me again. Because they, they know my testimony. They know about when I got saved. My dad, I've heard his testimony 800,000 times. Johnny, you probably, you probably know my dad's testimony. You could probably stand up and tell it. He's been going to his church for a long time. My dad tells it all the time. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad I know that. I know my, I know my grandfather on my dad's side testimony. I've heard my dad tell it. I, I never heard him tell it. I, he was, I was young when he died, but I've heard my dad tell the story about when my grandpa got saved. My great grandpa, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was saved. I really, I, I know his name. That's about all I know about him. But you know, I thank God that I, I at least know about those ones, and I know, I know I'm going to see him again. I, I know I'm going to see my grandpa again. I know his testimony. And you need to pass that on to your kids. You know, Christianity today, it seems like our numbers are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, you know, the truth is, if we were just reaching our children, we would be growing. It just it makes sense. We would be growing. But we're not passing that on. You need to leave that inheritance to your children. One of the things I want more than anything, I want my kids to be able to get to see for themselves that I want to be able to show them that, hey, we do have a real God. We have a powerful God. I want them to get to see God do great things. I think about when my dad started Lighthouse Baptist Church. I remember getting to see that. I remember getting to see what God did during those times. And you know what? It was one of the things, you know, later on when God started calling me to start church, I thought, yeah, I want to see that again. I want my kids to get to see that. And when the Lord called us over here, I was excited because I wanted my kids to get to see God do what I got to see Him do when I was a kid. I didn't want to just tell them about it. I wanted them to get to see it. And thank God they're getting to see that right now. And I'm thrilled to death about that because I want God to be real to them. I want them to get a chance to see God do a work. I want to see. I want them to get to see God bring a revival in this area and do great things. And then Because if they see it, they're going to want to see it again. And then maybe their children will get to see it. And I want it to be passed on until the Lord comes. Glory of children are the fathers. Dads, we have a big responsibility. We have a big responsibility. We need to take it serious. And we need to do it in the right way. So let's all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.